So have you started your off-season or your pre-season? Done the off-season? Have you started on your pre-season training yet? Am I meant to have done? Well, yeah, everyone else has. Have you not seen, <laughs> have you not seen the videos, the montages in the gym? Did you? It, it, it's incredible. Every, everywhere you look on, on Instagram, on Twitter, they are in the gym. They're posting week one done, week two starting. Dennis Shapovalov's actually been doing little Instagram stories when you hear his team saying exactly what they're going to be working on. And I mean, it's pretty exhausting seeing. So how long, how long would your off season I think I'm permanently on off-season. How long would your <laughs> off-season <laughs> have been? It varies for everybody. For me, it was uh, a week to 10 days. Some people might go for two weeks. No one would really do longer than that. A week to 10 days? Yeah. Of complete rest. As in nothing? Yeah. I was, do you know what? I was quite bad, actually, in terms of... I, I was so worried about losing my fitness that I would still kind of run and do bits and pieces here and there and it was just the worst decision ever because mentally I just wasn't as refreshed as I could have been and you're unfit when you start your pre-season anyway that's just what happens when you have you know 10 days to two weeks of doing nothing and sitting by the pool or doing whatever you want to do in your off season god sounds nice it you know it is nice after a after a long <laughs> old year I mean it's like anyone's holiday right it's uh it's just nice to really unwind. But do you, I, I, I always thought that I'd be the fittest person in the world if I had a team of people saying, get up at this point, we're going to start training at this point, you'll eat this at this point, and then we'll go and do this at this point. Because it seems a lot of players, especially the top players, have teams around them sort of charting, monitoring everything they do. But when you're, you're coming up, how much of that has to come from you? So when your pre-season starts, did you have someone with you or it, or it was simply day one you've got to get yourself up and get into the gym to do the work oh I usually had somebody with me um because you just even if you're a really good worker by yourself you're still going to get that extra 20 percent by having someone standing next to you shouting it's just you know <laughs> like if you go to the gym on your own even if you're really good at getting there and getting on the treadmill you just go a little bit harder when somebody's kind of scaring you into running faster well, that's what we've sort of started doing because I do find you a little bit scary and you know that when I go to the gym, I tell you what I'm going to do and you say, send me a picture when you've done it. So I can't not do it. And it's actually, it's slightly terrifying at the time because I think, how am I going to do this? But I do do it because I know that I've got to send you a picture at the end of it. So you're sort of my remote personal trainer. Yeah, you need a bit of outside motivation. I think that's fine. It's it's too much to expect from yourself that you are always going to be pushing and pushing and pushing with nobody there to help you in that situation. I think I, I've never known anyone like that, to be honest. You, I mean, even some of the best workers need to be told, need to be, especially when they're younger. <laughs> <laughs> even somebody like Rafa you can imagine Uncle Tony on days especially when he was younger he's probably got it down now but saying come on Rafa now let's go get up and go and were you getting up and going to the local gym or you see a lot of people go to the IMG Academy in America and they're working out in groups were you working with a group of other British players that may not necessarily being British players or were you doing it on your own back here before going somewhere like that uh, so I think I did two or three off-seasons at IMG out in Florida. Um, I did a couple at home as well. I think that was it. I didn't do, didn't do anything else. What was better, at home or at the academy? Well, the reason I wanted to stay at home was just wanting to feel a bit grounded and mentally feel a bit 
and emotionally a bit more looked after and that sort of thing and catch up with friends and even in your training block you can still do that you're just very 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 stiff that's that's the thing you can't go bowling or anything with your friends because you honestly cannot move but uh, the IMG ones were great as well because as you say we normally did it in a group we did it in a very small group uh, I did one off season out there in Florida just with he- me and Heather Watson and then I've done a I did one out there which I just kind of went by myself and I was looked after by IMG and uh, was just kind of diving onto court with whoever and, and you know wherever, doing whatever I was told. But I had a fantastic fitness trainer out there, Yutaka Nakamura, who has actually just moved back there from working with Maria Sharapova for many years. Uh, and he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I suppose it just depended. I mean, the, the two that I ended up doing at home was because I just felt that that's what I needed. But of course, you don't get the sunshine. You don't do the beach runs, <laughs> that sort of thing. So the setting's not maybe as nice. I don't think I'd enjoy a beach run. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Running along a beach, but it's actually hell. Well, the thing is, is I never really understood it. Everyone says, oh, yeah, let's get up early and run along the beach for breakfast. It is 10 times harder running in sand. Absolutely. Than it is on <laughs> on a road or on grass. I'm, I'm saying, hello, can we go to the track? <laughs> <laughs> that's designed for running it's springy it's bouncy I feel like I'm flying I mean along the beach and also along the beach you just run in one direction until you get halfway and then turn around and run back so particularly somewhere like Florida you can get it's pretty breezy and of course on the coast so on in one direction you're just head into the wind and it's normally on the way back and it's just <laughs> <laughs> and it's so deliberate from the trainers as well I think we're going to go this way oh what with the wind behind us first so that when we're really struggling we're, you know, that's just the pre-season mentality if you were in a tournament the trainers would probably say oh let's go into the wind first and then we can it can help you on the way back but for pre-season it's just ramp up the difficulty level wherever you can so what's a, what was a typical day like at the, I, I imagine it's a little bit like boot camp what was a typical day like there so I <laughs> uh, get up about half six, uh, head to the beach. It's different on different days. You, you kind of do every other. Uh, you'd probably run uh, around about four miles on the beach, something like that. Come back, have your smoothie, have some eggs, breakfast, whatever. And it, it also depends where you are in your pre-season because you're going to start off with mainly physical or only physical and then the, the tennis filters in. And also we discussed this before that in your pre-season you're going to want to improve at least one skill that you've got in your game so you're going to have to start working on that so your coaches need to figure out how long that's going to take for you to get it complete and then that determines when you should start but in terms of physical stuff so yes you do the run in the morning uh, have some breakfast head to the site head to the the gym the center probably go into the gym do maybe some track work in terms of some explosive plyometric stuff, some jumping, some power sprinting, probably for about an hour. Then you're going to get, <laughs> you're we're laughing. Not, we, haven't, we haven't even got to lunchtime. <laughs> we're literally, I mean, we're about an hour and a half in here. Uh, and then you're probably going to go onto the court because um, you've had quite a tough day. Then you'll go to the court and you'll do, uh, as I say, you're going to be learning something new. So you'll probably start off with a lot of techniques. So it's not going to be that physical, but maybe you're changing something on your serve. So you'll go out and do some reps on the court and that'll probably take you up to about lunchtime. So you've probably done three hours or so. Uh, after lunch, three hour wait session sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, so then you would either do weights or you would do more speed endurance or pyramids on the track is pretty brutal. Andy Murray has always famously had the most excruciatingly awfully challenging pyramids on the track to do. Uh, and that's where you basically do a, a certain amount of each distance. So you might do 10 100 meter sprints, eight 200 meters, six 400 meters and four 800 meters. Uh, but that's at the top of the pyramid and then you come down again. So then you go back to six, 400 metres, eight, 200 metres, 10, 100 metres. And then you just pretty much lie down. <laughs> but I mean, there are so many different sorts of um, exercises you can do. And, and as I say, you need tennis is a, such a unique sport in that you need every aspect of fitness. I really don't think there are many sports like it you need uh plyometrics and explosivity you need strength you need endurance speed endurance you need short sharp speed so you might be working just on your first step you need coordination we did a lot of coordination work core work as well anything on a swiss ball um you know trying to stand on a swiss ball and have somebody throw a medicine ball at you whatever it may be so and so much stability work as well I've been watching lots of videos actually and uh, Muguruza was doing a lot of stability work on her ankle and so was Pliskova doing lots of stability work to stop you from getting injured. So there is so much. And then at the end of the day, so you're, you're going to do probably, I don't know, five to six hours in the day. At the end of the day, then you've got your ice bath, which is great fun. You'll do that every day through your preseason, every day, because it helps. Massage, get any injuries worked on do some kind of stretching out and that sort of thing. So all in all, it's a very, very full day. You're looking at seven hours, eight hours, but that's including all of the treatments and stuff. In terms of actual training, it'll be about five, I reckon. But do you get the same, if you're not at the academy and you were doing it at home, would it be exactly the same or it wouldn't be as planned or as intense as that? Because part of the reason you were staying at home is to be a little bit more grounded, be around family and friends. So is that a very different pre-season training not really no it's just a bit lonelier because you kind of will go to the gym and be by yourself but everything is planned out so if you've got a four-week pre-season block every day will be planned out before you get started every hour of every day it's all done you don't need to think about it you just need to turn up and do whatever you're told to do you of course will have input into planning that uh, if you have a nice team <laughs> but a lot of the time your input is normally met with no this is what we're doing. So, I mean, you, you, you collaborate with your team, come up with your pre-season and then you crack on with it. I've spent the last couple of minutes wondering how you would stand on a Swiss ball. I think I got to the point once when I could kneel on the Swiss ball. Yeah, that's good. And that, I think that's the start. But I had no one throwing medicine balls at me because that's like, you remember that program Gladiators years and years ago? Oh, when yeah. they had to stand on things <gasps> and like those knock each other off those it feels a little bit like that someone's throwing a medicine ball at me but standing on a swiss ball unaided so you're just standing i think that would be that's a different level isn't it yeah it is yeah um it, it's it's very very difficult you see you you, you, see you do the kneeling first get good at the kneeling and you have somebody throwing a swiss ball to you so you're playing your shots whilst you're kneeling that's really good for your core and then you probably do it next to some sort of bar you know, they have like the ballet bars in gyms. Um, so you can get up holding onto that and you can kind of wedge the ball into a corner of walls so that it can't really move as much and you can stand on it that way. And you can have other people holding it whilst you stand it. You're just trying to limit the movement and then you might get to the point where you can stand on it properly. I never quite got there, actually. 
Oh, really? So I had to have people kind of holding, holding the bottom. Holding it. Yeah. While you kind of, when you kind of wobbled, uncontrollably wobbled. Yeah. When you were standing on it. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, pre-season, I mean, the, the, the number one thing is that, as I say, it's the stiffness after you've done two or three, <laughs> you've, said, you've said stiffness about five times. Yeah, I know, now. but it's really scary, and I'm thinking about it now, and I'm just, oh, I just, oh, it just makes me feel ill. Um, it, it's, um, I mean, it's extraordinary the level of lactic acid that's in your legs. It's just, um, yeah, it's incredibly painful, and you get to once you've probably once you're about four or five days in. Oh, it's just. It's really hard because you've drained all of your energy reserves and everything, your muscles just feel shredded like they've been through a cheese grater or something. And it's just, yeah, it's, it is, that's when it's really hard to get up and go. And before pre-season starts, you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, this looks good. I like this plan. <laughs> <laughs> and then four days in, you're thinking, can we make some tweaks? <laughs> I think the worst I ever felt, and this had nothing to do with working too hard, I think it was I didn't work enough, was when I ran the London Marathon in 2002. And I don't think I'd trained properly. I didn't have a plan, didn't have people helping me. I was a bit rubbish but I did it I got round finished it and then I couldn't I mean I was I was so stiff when I got home I had to crawl up the stairs because I couldn't walk up the stairs mm. and I had to I had to fall onto the toilet because I couldn't bend I could not bend my legs at all literally had to fall onto it and fall into the I was in so much pain but that was not because I had been working diligently I think it's because no, no. I hadn't worked enough no that's exactly it that is exactly it. I mean, we've had to help each other get dressed before because, I mean, washing your hair, I mean, you can't lift your arms up. That's exactly it. You see, you've done it. But the thing would no, be no, no, but- is that the next day you'd have some super duper strength and conditioning trainer. Imagine Jez Green, who seems very lovely and friendly when you speak to him. And he actually is. But when he's telling you to do something, I mean, you do it. And that's like the next morning, him coming round, knocking on your door and saying, OK, let's go in the gym again and basically doing it all over again no but I, I physically couldn't I mean I physically could I was crawling up the stairs on my hands and oh, knees I, physically, I, I couldn't walk <laughs> I know and, and you know what's so remarkable about these strength and conditioning trainers is that they they manage to find a way and and basically it will start with well can you get out of bed and you'll say, well, yeah, I can get out of bed. And then they'll say... Well, no, I would, have, I would have said no. I would have started with they no. Could have, <laughs> they could have... They, he, you could put you over their shoulders and they'd get you up and out of bed. And then they'd say, right, can you put one foot in front of the other? And you say, yes. And Again, say, right, I would say no. no. <laughs> How long did you stay in bed for? <laughs> I, I, you can't I have actually, been in bed for a week. Come on. Because, no, but because I didn't have a physical trainer, because I didn't have to do it the next day, I just had to get... To work. Uh, I just had to get, I was working. So you couldn't get to work. Radio at the time. No, no, I got to work. Exactly. And I was working for, exactly. I was working. So just imagine no, that but, where you were working was the gym. So you get no, there. No, but I, <laughs> I got to work really slowly, very delicately to the point where, and I was working with Talk Sport Radio and I was doing bulletins. They had to adjust things so I could stand up because I could not sit down to read them. That, that was not going in a gym and squatting and lifting weights. I literally was crawl it took me twice as long to get to work because I could hardly move but this is what I'm saying firstly I'm very impressed by the fact that you did the London Marathon and then worked the next day I mean that is craziness <laughs> but this is how you push yourself this is how you push through barriers and, and as, as I was saying you got to work right so you could have got to the gym 
It's the same thing. And then they'll say, right, can you pick up this one kilo weight? And with a lot of grunting and groaning, you'll think, oh, okay, right. Okay, I can just about pick it up. And then and you build them. By the end of the day, I'm telling you, you're out on the track sprinting around and feeling quite unwell. I I crashed into my barriers. I fell over. And even if I could have made it to the gym, I would have looked at it and turned around and hobbled out. I was, But again, I think majority of my stiffness was that I, I hadn't probably done enough or the right training in the first place. No, so my see, stiffness I disagree. Was, was, I... No, no, honestly, I hadn't done a lot. So okay, no, I'm, not saying was, you, I'm not was... saying you trained properly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that um, you were saying, do you need to have a trainer with you? And the trainer helps you push yourself that extra 10, 20%. Now you doing the marathon, you absolutely maxed out, right? You've never done anything like that. You are absolutely at your max and everybody can do that. And, and, and athletes and tennis players are very good at going into the gym and maxing out. But it's about the day after day and that is where you need the motivation. And as I say, I have felt exactly how you felt and somehow managed to bust out four hours of training. And that has all been down to my team. Just either I've had teams or I've had people, members of my team that have just been very kind of strict and just this is unacceptable. Get up go and do it. And then I've had others that have been a bit more softly, softly. And do you know what? Both ended up with the same result. So, Whereas I was overtaken by two rhinos and a Viking ship. So I, <laughs> I, I, I was, and I even witnessed a couple. It was, uh, had an argument. I was, I was around the same place at them at the beginning. And he, I think, was naturally a bit faster than her. And it was lovely. They were saying, you know, we're doing this together. They were talking to each other, we're doing this together. And it's so great. And he was saying, come on, you can do it. You're so amazing. And she's going, you're so amazing. We're going to do it together. I thought, oh, this is, this is wonderful. And I saw them at however many hours later. And they'd had a falling out. And he was quite a way ahead. And he was, I think, getting a little bit annoyed by the fact that she wasn't keeping up. She was saying some very not nice things to him. And, and he was saying, well, I'm just going to leave you here then. And he ran off. So what started out <laughs> as, as sort of love's young dream, I'm not sure they crossed the finish line still as a couple oh. because they were in a, I was just sort of, sort of hobbling around and, um, they were in a very bad place. And then a, a man in a Viking outfit with sort of the hat and a long plait tried to take advantage of the situation by saying to her, well, I can help you. And But she wasn't in the mood <laughs> to speak to anyone at this point. And I'm so sure. the, the Viking the Viking was given short, sharp shrift. <laughs> Off he went with his Viking boat. But no, I was, I was overtaken by the rhinos. Although I think the rhinos are, they're something, aren't they sort of... They're sort of like top army guys that oh, yeah. train and run. They're they I mean they're super <laughs> they're super rhinos. If that can make me feel any better. I was just <laughs> going to say that that's you're being particularly harsh on yourself. Do you say in conversation? Well, back when I was a marathon runner. No, I, I don't think I'd ever describe myself as a can. marathon runner. Well, you well, you are. I, I, You've I done would, it right. I, I would say I completed the marathon. I'm not sure I'd describe myself as a as a, as a marathon. As a marathon runner, I think I'm now going to refer distinctly... to you as a marathon runner. That's <laughs> how I'm introducing distinctly... you. <laughs> oh yeah, I do a podcast with a marathon runner. <laughs> I think it's I think it's best that I that I don't disclose the time it took me. I think it was still daylight at the end. I can't quite remember, but but I made I you know something happened because our well so my off season is continuing, and it feels such a long time since mm. since the since the o2 and 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 as it were my tennis season it does, doesn't it it does feel like 
ages ago. It was, and it was quite, it was quite an intense end to the season because you've had all those tournaments back to back to back, sort of Shanghai and Paris and next year no two, and then suddenly it stops and it's like, where are all these people? And it, it, and suddenly tennis. And for me, I, I went back to doing a lot of football, and I was doing football one day, and I spoke to a colleague of mine who I know quite well, and and she said to me, oh, um. Were you at Wimbledon this year? And I said yes. She said, "Oh, I've I've worked there for a few years." And I said, "I said, all right. I didn't know." I said, "What do you do?" She said, "I'm a BBG supervisor." And I was like, "I either pretend to know what that is, BBG, <laughs> I, yeah. What What do you think if someone said to you, I work at Wimbledon and I'm a BBG supervisor? What What would they be? There's my question to you. A BBG. What? No. Should yeah. I know? I think when you do know, you'll be like, oh, yeah. I mean, have you have you heard of that? No. What do you think a, a BBG supervisor would do at Wimbledon? It's quite a, I think it's quite a prestigious job. Breakfast, brunch and gin? <laughs> supervisor? <laughs> you can tell where my mind's at. <laughs> You're still in your off season, clearly. <laughs> um, it, uh, is, it is a ball boy and girl supervisor. Oh, of course. So it turns out that my colleague at work used to be... So you can only be a supervisor if you've been a ball boy or ball girl at Wimbledon. Yes, absolutely. Very strict. So she had been a ball girl for a few years, as long as she could be. Then she moved into being a supervisor. So it was fascinating. I was quizzing her on the day. Because when you go to Wimbledon, if you're there early, which we tend to be, you see them in, in the ball boys and girls in the very straight line and sort of running into position. And so I was having a chat with her. And I was trying to think, when, when was your last year playing at Wimbledon? Oh, uh, what, in the main draw? Yep. Mm, 2010? Oh, you just each other. Yeah, 2010, I think. Well, her... Oh, her, no, her last year was 2011 or did she start in 2011? I think she started, in, no, she started right. in 2011. Because I really wanted her to say that she had been a ball girl on your court. <laughs> so I said, now, Naomi Cavity, do you remember? Do you remember? But what she did do is I asked, what, what would be the question? If you were speaking to someone who'd been a ball girl or boy at Wimbledon for a few years, what would be one of the really obvious questions you would ask them? You'd want to know. Well, I'd say who's the best that you've ball boyed for? Or girls. Exactly. And and also who's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it would be unfair maybe to reveal who she said was the worst. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, she told me who the general consensus was and gave me a couple. Of, and maybe I could not say their name, but she could, it we, was, could uh, you could you give me some signals? Can we do charades? Um, <laughs> just go with the could. best one first. Do the best first. So the best, I asked for one on the ATP and one on the WTA. And, and this was for people that she had ball-girled for. She said the best on the men's was Juan Martín del Potro. Oh, that was a popular choice. She said, so nice. Always said thank you. Always said please. Like with, wherever he was in a match or a point or a, anything, he was always super polite and everyone really liked ball-boying or girling his matches. And on the women's side... Naomi Brody. Oh, nice. Brilliant. She said, Naomi is so polite. You should she tell her that. She always says, please and thank you. And and when you think that the, all the people she's ball-girled for, I gave her the whole, she said, she said, Naomi is one person that she really remembers. I, I won't, probably unfair to say the name of the person she highlights is the worst, but she said one of the things this person did was the ball would be 
at, at their foot, sort of near their foot. So the ball girl would, or my friend would run to pick it up. And as they got to picking up, they would kick it away. So they then have to go oh. and chase it back. Ouch. And, and it was sort of a general consensus that she said there was a lot more wonderful people than there were sort of fairly difficult people. Sure, but yeah. It, it, was, it was really interesting. I mean, she, and a, there's a bus every morning that goes to all the schools. So every morning the ball girls and boys have to go to their respective schools. I thought they just sort of appeared somehow but they all get picked up and taken back to their school oh, no I've seen There's the a... bus I've seen the bus when I was oh, when I've been trying to get in and when you get caught out behind the line of of ball kids that's a nightmare you're going to be waiting for ages because there's a lot of them and they all come at once so if you see a bus approaching get a shimmy on get to the front get in before they all emerge and they're not allowed to use their mobile phones nice yeah so in there they have a a room i don't want to call it a holding room but a a room <laughs> so like there aren't a... cages in there or anything <laughs> <laughs> they're looked after very well people enjoy being ball kids <laughs> they're held the in room pens they... <laughs> and then then i wanted to say a playroom but that sounds like they're about four <laughs> <Five> years old <laughs> <laughs> they're all in there playing twister <laughs> Some of them are having their afternoon nap. <laughs> are they in in their uh, in their room? <laughs> um, <laughs> when they're in their room, they they're not allowed to use their phones, so they have to put them. And they've all got lockers. And when they get in in the day, but uh, but my friend said that she as a supervisor can have her phone. So she said, say it's say it's raining and there's only obviously a couple of courts in action on court in action. She will. Um, she'll sit there and on her phone and they'll just be looking at her sort of rocking <laughs> can we and they're like no you can't <laughs> but it, it was just really interesting to hear that she said the training it's so thorough and mm. as I say that you have to have been a ball girl a ball boy to be in the position to be a supervisor she said because then you know how it works and and they do they they grade them all so they have a they have a supervisor on each court and they will have and they are told after every match their grade and they're told if they didn't do that well or if they're downgraded, uh, they'll, they'll have a centre court team. But if someone has an absolute shocker, mm-hmm. they can be downgraded and moved to another court. And I, I said, that's quite brutal. But she said, no, it, it's, they know they have to be. So they will have a supervisor on every single court, watching every single match. And it is possible to go from one of the, the, the furthest away courts to, to really getting to one of the show courts. But you have to be on your guard because you get marked every single match you do. Oh, it's amazing. It's so amazing. Oh, it's so cool that she did that or that she has been a, been a supervisor as well because you have to have been good to get to be a supervisor. But, the, I mean, the ball kids are fantastic. They're, they're just so well drilled. And I, I, I like the fact that it's competitive for them because, look, most of them are interested in sport. A lot of them are interested in tennis or play tennis and play sport. You can see when you look at them, they're incredibly athletic. They are so, so quick around. They have to pass all these physical tests in the first place to even get considered. That's before they learn any of the skills. They have to be quick enough. They have to be in good physical shape. You can't be out of shape and and, and be a ball kid. And um, so a lot of them are really sporty. So they have that competitive nature in them. And I think that, you know, you've got your team, haven't you, that you work with. And I think they all want to be the best they can be and try and get on the better courts. And and that's how you get the 
sensational quality that Wimbledon get with their ball kids. I mean, they're known for their for the discipline and 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 hard work of the ball kids. They're amazing. I saw on um, I saw on Twitter today actually the Australian Open was saying something about the the ball boys and girls and everyone obviously getting in training camp because we talk about players preseason training they'll be at and and US this year there was no more throwing because that was and it's probably I I loved the throwing but I, I get where they were coming from in the sense that not everyone has a throw that can throw from one side of a tennis court to the other and this is a way of just making it so there are more opportunities for more for girls and boys or women or men because at the US Open they're sort of grown-ups to to actually be in those positions yeah I've always liked the throwing because it's different yeah it's the it was the US Open's thing wasn't it it's, you know it's a bit more relaxed there it's you know look the ball's got to go from A to B this will do <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I suppose I can understand what they're saying you obviously want more and more people to be involved but you could surely if you didn't if you couldn't throw it that far you could be at the net right then you don't need to throw it that far because you're halfway yeah, no, that's true. You could maybe, yeah, you could just throw it half half a court. But then no, it's also I, I, a bit of yeah. a pain just always being down on your knee. They have to. I think that was the thing. Annoying. It was sort of you want to rotate around, sharing that, spreading it. So, have you? Are you still coaching Daisy, or are you having a Christmas break? A little bit of a breather at the moment. A couple of being rained off, and also she's got lots of stuff on at school this sort of this time of year, and she's she's she doesn't need to be making sacrifices to come and train yet she's she's still so young you know I always say to her parents or to any parents I work with if you are going to go on the journey of being a tennis player and if that's where you end up and you can't know yet you know you can't know at just the age of 11 or 12 but if you get to 15 16 and being a pro is what you want to be doing and it's going quite well well then you will have to make lots of sacrifices and not be able to see your friends or or not all the time anyway, you're going to have to miss things, miss parties and and that sort of thing because you need to knuckle down and and be pretty disciplined. You don't need to do it now. So what's the point? Because you see a lot of kids that make a lot of the sacrifices early and then they get to 15, 16 where people are saying, okay, well, now you have to make sacrifices. And they think, well, I've been doing this. Well, actually, I hate calling them sacrifices. It's a choice. It's always a choice. Um, I don't ever think, I don't feel like I ever sacrificed anything. I made a choice on what was worth it. Uh, and that's what I always try and say is, you know, it doesn't matter if it's hard or easy or anywhere in between. It's about whether it's worth it. There's absolutely no need for her to miss stuff that's going on at school. And, you know, they're doing bits and pieces. It's towards the end of the term. Daisy is 12? Yeah. 12? Yeah. Do they have 12? They still have nativity plays or are they too old for that? <laughs> <laughs> you'll be relieved to hear that it does end at some point <laughs> well no i i've actually been quite lucky have you not have you not this had it year. no the, the 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 twins preschool we have we have a christmas some singing we have christmas songs but there was nearly a problem because there's five groups within this preschool and the boys are in different groups they they see each other all day but they're in different groups and i looked at the list and they had one one group with one of the boys on the first floor and the other group, the other boy on the ground floor. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that <laughs> to be in the same place up and down. And, and they were lovely. They said, no, we'll, we'll put them in one group and off we go. And I just, I didn't even really think about it. I thought brilliant Christmas songs. And then all the other friends I've met who've got children, they've been 
sewing wings on sheets. They've been sort of getting toilet rolls and covering them in sticky back plastic. They've been making donkey ears. They've been dressing up their child as a Brussels sprout. I mean, there's a, all, all of this stuff has been happening. Uh, I, have, I have a friend, my neighbour, and tomorrow she's her daughter's going to be an angel and that's all happening and it's just... So I think I've done quite well on the nativity, yeah. not nativity yeah, yeah. scene. No sewing, glittering, gluing ordering from Amazon, just a few songs. But there was the downside to the singing is we went to visit some friends for a sort of Christmas afternoon lunch thing with the children. On the way back, it was the evening. And you like to keep children awake in the evening so they sleep when they get home. We had an hour and a half, hour and a half of singing Jingle Bells. And when Santa got <laughs> stuck up the chimney, something I'd never even heard that song before. An hour and a half. When Santa got stuck up singing. the chimney? I was about to, you know, I was about to break into song. Oh, oh please do. <laughs> please do. Go it, for it. Involved, it, it involved soot in his sack. Right. <laughs> a tickly moustache and all sorts of... Um, it, an hour, an hour and a half okay. of those two songs, well, sort of alternating. Jingle bells, I think I've got down. That's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty ingrained, isn't it? <laughs> I think. I don't think I could ever forget that. <laughs> it definitely is after that car journey. It was like a, it was like a, an intense refresher course. So, <laughs> so, but look, there's always going to be something you have to do, and I haven't had to sew a costume out of a bin liner, but I have had a very long car journey with with Christmas cards. But it's lovely. It's you no, know, it's very cute hearing them sing them and know them are you all set for christmas are you ready to go all everything done not really i haven't done anything i have put a wreath up and some lights that is and a, and a tree no i haven't gone with the tree what have you, what are, no well what have you put the lights on oh just just hooked them just pop, pop them up you know just just draped them over my mirror that's all are you not having a tree no probably not to be honest we haven't done a tree before because we've never spent Christmas here. But I'm not sure whether I will... If I do a tree, it's going to be a baby tree, like in a pot that you could probably use on a table or something. You have to have a tree. Do I? You have to have a tree. You have That's to have a, a tree. a lot of faff, isn't it? It's not... Not if you're buying one in a pot. I mean, I had to go to yeah, some field and we had to it's stick it over shoulders and stick it in the car. And no, you have yeah, to... but you've you, got no, you kids and it's a magical time. It's not no, for me. even without kids. <laughs> it's just there, there was a tr- <laughs> no. There was a tree without children as well. Really? You have to have a tree. Oh, okay. I think people. I think people listening largely and do do tweet if if you think I'm I'm wrong on this, but largely I think everyone listening will think that you have to have a tree. But because you're there for Christmas Day, right? My house is is festive. We've I've put I popped a wreath on our front front door because ours is a building split into three. <laughs> so I've done that for the for the building, and I've got a wreath on my mantelpiece and some lights. And I think it's perfectly festive enough and some Christmas cards around that I've been sent. So I don't want to overdo it. I haven't sent you a Christmas card because I don't know your address. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sending you a Christmas card because I don't send Christmas cards. <laughs> do you not? Even no. when you get a Christmas card, do you not feel bad and then send one back to the person that sent you a no, Christmas card? No, I just kind of look at it and think, oh, I wish you hadn't sent me a Christmas card. This I this feels a little bit bar humbug. You don't send I, Christmas cards. Just, you wish people hadn't sent you Christmas cards and you don't have a Christmas tree. This is tree. ridiculous. I love Christmas. I've been excited for Christmas for ages. I listen to, I love Christmas songs. I love Christmas films. I'm going to sit through loads of Christmas TV. Like I 
absolutely love Christmas and Christmas food. Hang on. I'm already you on the mince didn't pies. Know. You didn't know when Santa got stuck up the chimney. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> and, and I bet on Christmas Day, you will have shortbread and not mince pies. No, I've already had, in total, I've had about five mince pies already. Um with with brandy butter so whole hog but i no i love christmas but i just i just don't see the point in christmas cards i look they are kind of reasonably nice to receive i guess it's a oh lot it's a lo- if you're listening to this and you sent Naomi a christmas <laughs> card i apologize that she's called your card reasonably nice to receive sorry mum <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, Look, firstly, I don't receive many because I don't send many. But like, it's just, <laughs> it's just such a waste of paper. You know, just if, do you know what? If I really want somebody to have a good Christmas, I'm going to see them just before Christmas or during Christmas or just after Christmas. So I've just seen you and I will say to you, have a great Christmas. <laughs> So I don't need to send you a card. I've already, I've already told you that. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I want to get back to the tree. Oh, Give me your reasons for not having a tree then. It's just effort, isn't it? <gasps> it's- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You, you did four miles on a beach. You're in an ice bath. You did three hours in a gym. Yeah. You did seven million hours on a tennis court. That's just one day. And you can't be bothered to go out and buy a Christmas tree. Well, it turns out I'm lazy. <laughs> no, do you know what? If it was up to me, I would buy a, a two-foot Christmas tree or something, pop a few bits and bobs on. Because also, I need to get the whole shebang. I have no decorations. I have nothing. So it will just be, I don't know, it will turn into some sort of costly exercise. You have you have lights that could go on the tree. I do, yeah. And... and, and Balls, ball balls, whatever. I don't have any so balls. Oh my! Do you remember? We were at. <laughs> we don't need to go through the former female thing yet again. But I don't have any balls. I have no baubles for my tree. And we had a. We went. To, we were at Wimbledon the other day together. And uh, do you remember how big the balls were on their tree? They had really big. I balls. mean, they were bigger than tennis balls. They were sort Pushing of genetically balls. modified balls, weren't they? I mean, they were, of course, purple and green, which was Of course, which was brilliant. Brilliant colours. But, I mean, they were mega balls. They were... they. No, I, I'm not saying you need mega balls. I just think you need reasonably sized balls, which, which are not... Exp- if I had your address, I would send you some balls and, and I'd be tempted to send you a tree. A tree? You would, you would not send me a tree. Come on. That's ridiculous. Look, I'll send you a picture of my festive living room and you'll think it's very festive, but it's all, I'm just not really one to over, I don't go over the top. You know, I'm going to do lots of Christmassy things. I'm going to go to the Nutcracker. I'm going to watch all my Christmas films. I'm listening to Christmas music all the time. Don't you worry. I'm filled with Christmas cheer. I just don't want a tree or Christmas cards. And you do have a Christmas jumper. Oh, I do have a so... Christmas jumper. Oh, no. I have a real Christmas jumper, not the birthday jumper. A real Christmas jumper, which is... I should have worn it today, actually. It's mega. We can always post pictures yes. of your Christmas jumper. Yes. We should say, actually, because we're talking a lot about Christmas and people might be listening to this thinking there's still an awful long time to go to Christmas. This is our final podcast of 2018. This is our... So I guess this is our Christmas podcast. Yes. Christmas and New Year. We'll be back in January... But we kind of need to stop talking to each other at some point. <laughs> Although we'll probably just continue. It is a daily basis. 
because I'm still dealing with the Christmas thing. But I'll. I feel like I've really let you down with this. (laughs) I I I just didn't. I thought, who doesn't have a Christmas tree? I thought everyone had a Christmas tree. If you're going to be there for Christmas. No, I understand if you're not going to be there for Christmas. But if you're going to, I'm going to, look, you know, quietly, I'm going to deal with the Christmas tree thing. But it is our, it's our, it's our first year of doing podcasts. And this is our last podcast of the year. So we've made it. (laughs) We've made it still talking (laughs) and still doing podcasts to the end of the year. Well, we haven't done a whole year because we started in July, didn't we? We started at Wimbledon. But yeah, we've, we've done it. We've done it every week. I've really enjoyed it. I hope people listening have really enjoyed it as well. Um, it's been it's been great. It's been it's been really interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I come out with things that I'm, <laughs> I'm not necessarily expecting myself to come out with, but it ends up in a fascinating conversation. That's for sure. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and hopefully, if our if our producer Abby's still talking to us in 2019, we will continue our podcast. And we would love because we do get told off if if anyone would like to. Leave us a review. That would be great if it's a nice one. But if you have a if you have a question about something to do with the tennis world, I know sometimes we we do wonder. But a, a tennis question, then we are we're here to answer your all your Christmas questions. Or I suppose it's January, isn't it? But anything people like to ask, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram. I feel like a lot and of these uh, questions are going to revolve around trees, Christmas trees. <laughs> I think they should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly <laughs> i think they should what's been your highlight do you have a highlight from from what we've done of, of our podcasts this year of tennis 2018 what? is it 2018 yeah what <laughs> <laughs> oh my word <laughs> it's uh well obviously it's working with you Naomi. oh stop it <laughs> come on you're um, a terrible do I have liar. a highlight there's been, there's, there's been, no, it's been a lot of fun. I think um, on, on, a, on a serious note, to, to do a podcast, it does, uh, however well you get on with someone, it does take time and it's making time and it's doing them. And they've been, uh, they've been, it's been easy to make the time to do them because they've been a lot of fun. And I think that's, I think when we started this, it sounds like we're finishing, we're never going to do another one. <laughs> I feel like there's something when you're not we... telling me. Oh, do we have to have a meeting after this? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Christmas tree was the final straw. <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> I think, uh, no, but it's it's been a lot of fun. I think, as I say, life can be so crazy, but it's it's been great every week. We've done a few specials and had some special guests on, but it's uh, no. I've I've enjoyed all the stories, the serious bits, the not. And if there is a subject people want us to tackle, serious or not, then please, please let us know. But it's um, what about you? Do you have a do you have a highlight, Neville? <laughs> Most of it's just sort of abuse aimed in my direction, whether it's to do with my Christmas birthday jumper. Although I I now kind of realise I was wearing it in kind of thirty something degree July. That was a bit silly. Exactly. But I really liked the jumper. <laughs> when you were called a former female. That was great. It, 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 it did. We have ascertained that I have chuckle. no balls. That's that's an update. <laughs> we need to let Abby know. <laughs> well, she'll find out when she listens to it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of laughing. And I, there's always been, there's also been some serious stuff in there as well, I think. Uh, a few bits and bobs. I enjoyed you trying Jill's what, chocolates, Jill Krabus's chocolates, because you didn't want to try them. That was fun. <laughs> I, I, did, I did. I did want to try one of the 
three types of chocolate, which I tried again and again and again. Slightly picky. And, and each time they were very, very nice. I think maybe a, a 2019 resolution would be to to give shortbread a chance because yep. I feel something I've not done. I think for you, it's to just get a bit more festive. I think by oh, come on. this time next year. I'm plenty festive. <laughs> This time next year, I want a tree. I think your New Year's in, resolution in... could be mm. to talk less about snacks. <laughs> <laughs> or just be less demanding it's, it's... when you travel around the world. You'll be in Melbourne. It's... Don't be so I was going to say, it's going to be difficult because one of our, probably maybe our first one, or maybe our second one of 2019, I will be in Melbourne. And then it's a tournament. And then that's long hours. And then snacks come into it. But okay, so my my resolution will be, I will try not to talk so much <laughs> about snacks. Okay, great. How's that? I think that's perfect. And I think it, it's a bit weird for people listening to this in the middle of December. But I, I guess we just end by wishing everybody a happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll join us again next year. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks so much for all of your involvement and questions and all sorts. It's been it's been fun. And as I say, it's not over. <laughs> Again, it sounds like it's over. Have a happy new year and we will see you or speak to you in January. <laughs>